This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. It is wrong to throw away food, good food. And let me tell you, most of the time, I gained my weight because I had to eat all the leftovers. I didn't want to throw it away. When I was a kid, my parents said, you better eat everything on that plate. They're poor kids in Africa who don't have food. You know, you ever heard that before? And so this is talking about a food supply, okay? That they had so much food and what happened, instead of giving it to those that are in need, they threw it away. They let it rot. And they're going to be judged for that because if they have, they should give. What do you do when you have leftover food? Do you get a box and take it home only to throw it out a few days later? Or do you just leave it to be thrown away? As Pastor Eddie will explain, it would be better to give your leftover food to someone in need. Unfortunately, the tendency is to keep the excess and let it go bad. Anytime you have extra, you should consider giving it away. Because if you have and don't give, you will be judged for that. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 5 as he begins his message, warning to the rich and a call for patience. James chapter 5, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. You know, James now after addressing the merchants who have focused on their uh, plans for tomorrow, now he's going to give a warning to the rich and he's going to call the believers to pay for patience. So he's going to give a warning to the rich and encourage the oppressed. And so let us read the passage before us and then we look at it individually and study it verse by verse. Okay, let's look at verse 1. James chapter 5 verse 1, we'll read through verse 12. James write this, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who, moan, who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reaper have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it to for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end of the, the end intended by the Lord, 
that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Now, for those of you uh, taking notes, our study is divided into two sections. Uh, in verses 1 through 6, in verses 1 through 6, it's going to be a warning to the rich. It's a warning to the rich, and that's in verses 1 through 6. In verses 7 through 12, a call for patience. It's a call for patience, and that's in verses 7 to 12. Well, we read the text. Let us now look at it verse by verse. Let's look at verse 1. James writes in chapter 5, verse 1, Come now, you rich, reap and howl for your mercy, for your miseries are coming upon you. Now, before we begin, just by a little observation of the reading and verse 1, before we begin, it's important to know that neither James, neither any of the writers in the Bible, not even Jesus Christ, uh, mentions that it is a sin to be rich and have wealth. It is nothing, there's nothing wrong with, you know, being rich and having wealth. However, the Bible is filled with scripture that speaks against having love for the wealth, love of money, or even putting money and wealth above others, and more importantly, above, above God. That's where the scripture talks, okay? Now, let's look at what Paul had to write to his, um, his protege, Timotheus, Timothy, in his first letter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. This is what Paul writes, for the love of money, not money, is the love of it. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith, from the faith. Some people have left following the Lord because of their greed for money, in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Money cannot bring you happiness. It cannot. How many of us would probably say, you know, Lord, if I already had another thousand dollars? Wait a minute, um, make that ten. Well, by the time I pay my bills and help mom and dad, how about 20? Lord, make it an even million. It's never, you'll never be satisfied. Okay? God knows your needs before you even ask. And so it is really not, the, it is really not money, but it's the love of it. And so, and here's the worst thing is when, when we place money and wealth above God, and this is what Jesus had to say in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon in the Greek word means wealth. So that word in the English is wealth or riches. That's what mammon means. And so you can't serve wealth and riches and God at the same time. And there's nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong uh, with having money as long as the money and wealth does not have you. That's the problem. And so God knows how to bless. I know many of us will say, you know, Lord, if you're looking for a candidate to be wealthy on your behalf, let that be me, right? Because everybody wants to be wealthy, right? I mean, you got to, I don't know, it's 9 out of 10, uh, 19 out of 20, right? Everybody wants to be wealthy. Everybody wants wealth, rich, and money. You know, it destroys. God knows who to trust with finance. Very few people. There are godly people who are wealthy and rich because God knows he can trust them with money. Because he know they don't place money above God. And he knows that they will use their money not only to glorify God, but to bless those who do not have. 
Okay, so I just want to put that up front. There's nothing wrong with being rich as long the riches does not have you. And so this is what he writes. Come now, verse one, you rich is a warning. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Apparently, James is writing to the rich, and there's been a lot of rich people during that time in the early church, almost 2,000 years ago. Some were making their way into the church. Some were really, um, many of the people up in that fellowship during that time had masters who took advantage of them. And so you, we can see the abuse of those who were wealthy. I mean, that's still today, but more so during that time of Christ. And so there is a judgment that's coming upon those who have gained their riches, their wealth, by illegal means and have oppressed the poor, has oppressed the poor. And so he said there's going to be a weeping, there's going to be a, a groaning with anguish when that day comes. Now, that is not for all rich, okay? I made that clear. But there are those who had, you know, gained their wealth by illegal means, and this is the judgment for them. And now we're going to see five ways, five reasons why God is going to judge them. Five reasons. And we're going to see that in verses two to six. Okay. Reason number one, why God is going to judge this kind of group of wealthy people, rich people, is because they have allowed their wealth to rot. They have allowed their wealth to rot. Let's look at verses two and three. Look what it says. Your riches are corrupt. Your garments are moth-eaten. Verse three, your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. What is he saying here? James is saying that uh, the, the rich are going to be judged because they have let, they allowed their wealth to rot. In other words, this is not a rags to riches kind of story. This is a riches to rags. Not for the rich, but what they have done with what they have. They have let it rot. Now, he, he goes in a verse two. He says that you have allowed your riches to corrupt. That word corrupt in the Greek, it means to decay, to rot. So he is referring to a food supply, okay? And no doubt about it. I don't know about you. It is wrong to throw away food, good food. And let me tell you, most of the time, I gained my weight because I had to eat all the leftovers. I didn't want to throw it away. When I was a kid, my parents said, you better eat everything on that plate. They're poor kids in Africa who don't have food. You know, you ever heard that before? And so this is talking about a food supply, okay? That they had so much food and what happened? Instead of giving it to those that are in need, they threw it away. They let it rot. And they're going to be judged for that because if they have, they should give. They have excess, as a matter of fact. Now, it says their garments are moth-eaten. So what does that mean? During that time, to have a garment, was, it's, clothing was hard to come by during that, during that time. During the time of Christ, during the time of when, this, when the Bible with James was written, you know, it, they were lucky if they had one garment. It wasn't like you can go to a Walmart, you know, take your camel and go to a Walmart and get a couple of shirts. There was no machines that made clothing. It was made by hand, and it was very costly, and they did their best to keep their clothing in, in good conditions. It has to last. However, the rich, they had many garments, many fancy garments, and so much so that they allowed many of them to stay in their closet where now is moth-eaten, when they can actually would have given their clothing to those who don't have, you see. You see the pattern here? And then the, the gold and silver were corroded. Now, silver and gold do not rust or get corroded, but gold does uh, darken and silver does tarnish. 
And so we see all these things, James says, that the rich has done. They, they, and, and they're going to witness their life because of what they've done. They abandoned and they have let their wealth carelessly just, you know, uh, just vanish away when it should have been given. There will be a witness and that of what they have uh, let go corrupt and that their flesh will be burned up like fire. In other words, what he is saying here, he's, when he says, he say, it will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. And just as riches corrupt garments, a moth-eaten a gold and silver are corroded, so too, he says, your flesh, your flesh will be eaten away like fire. However, it takes a process for food to decay, it takes a process for clothing to be eaten by moth, and it takes a process for gold and silver to tarnish. However, the process of their flesh being destroyed and judged by God is not going to take that long. It's going to be swift as a consuming fire. That's the judgment for them, okay? And let me tell you, remember when we, studied, we started studying the book of James? I tell you, James holds no punches. He's old school. He's from the boogie down Bronx like me. He's going to tell you like it is. He's not going to hold back. And he's letting you know there's going to be judgment against you. And the second reason why God's going to judge the rich is that they have stored their treasure. They have stored their treasure. Look at the end of verse 3. Look at the end of verse 3. It says, you have heaped up treasure in the last days. In other words, God forbids the hoarding of wealth. The hoarding of wealth. When wealth can be distributed. Okay? And they just hold it just to have it. Now, that applies to all of us. How many of us have something of value? Oh, this is, a lot. This is really valuable. I understand you want to save it for your children, next generation, whatever have you. But, you know, we have, some of us have a lot of stuff. Stuff, material things. And we're hoarding, but not as much as the wealthy, because I don't think there's anybody here that wealthy, but we're talking about those who are filthy rich, those who are wealthy, and God forbids the hoarding of wealth. This is what Jesus had to say. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where there's neither moth nor rust destroy no rust destroyed or where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so we used to store up treasures in heaven not here on earth and our treasure is in heaven our treasure is jesus christ because way too often we put so much emphasis on stuff and material things and you know we too can hold all this stuff in and hoard it for ourselves and god is going to want god knows where you keep it God knows the, the combination to your safe. God knows everything. But one day, one day, all that's going to burn. Everything that your eyes can place on, anything that you can physically see will fade away. We fade. We can look at each other. One day, and one day, we're all going to die, right? Survey says 10 out of 10 people, we all. And so whatever you fade, even on this building, this building will fade away. This tree will one day, these trees will one day fall down. These cars that we see in the lot will rust. Everything fades away. But there will be a time when God's going to bring judgment. And that judgment is going to burn everything up. Look what Peter has to say about this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Peter writes, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, meaning it will be a surprise, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. 
both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And that's when God judges it. When you, when, you, when you go to be with the Lord, when, it's time, when the Lord says, hey, it's time for you to come home. You know, I love what Billy Graham would say. I never seen a hearse, you know, haul a U-Haul truck, right? They're going to take you to the grave without a U-Haul truck. You can't take it with you. And so our treasure should be laid up in heaven. Lay your treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Well, our treasure is Jesus Christ in heaven. Now, the Bible does not discourage the planning of, you know, finances is good. It's good to have wisdom and where you could plan, you know, for maybe a, a retirement or you want to leave, make sure a will for your family or for your, your spouse or your children. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's wisdom. But we're talking about an excess of stuff, excess of, of stuff that can actually be shared. Because whatever God gives you, if you trust God with it, you give it to others. I'm not saying empty your bank account. I'm not saying, well, I'm not, listen, first of all, there's no prosperity preaching here, okay? All right? We're talking about being, uh, blessing others, blessing others with what you have. Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, he writes this, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. That he may be something, to, that he may have something to give him who has need. And that's what it should all be about. You know, you give, and let me tell you, you cannot give God. God knows when you give. And when you're a giver, God will always bless you. And I find out God is consistent with that. But sometimes we just need to let go of material things. Sometimes material things, money and wealth and things that we have is placed in front of God. One of the first commandments is, thou shalt have no other God before me. Quite often we place a lot of things before God. The fact is that God owns everything and everything in this, in this world. Everything that you have, God has given to you, believe it or not. God has given you everything. He's given you a job. He's given you a roof over your head. Quite often we forget that God has done that for us. We forget to thank God for what he has given us. Psalm, the psalmist writes this, in Psalms 24, verse 1. He writes this, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything is of the Lord. Now, the third reason the rich will be judged by God is because they have cheated their laborers. They have cheated their laborers. Let's look at verse 4. It says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, they cry out. In other words, they have made their wealth and riches off the backs of their laborers while cheating them of their wages. And so they cry out, hoping to have enough food to put bread on the table for their family. He goes on at the end of verse 4, and the cries of the reapers, the so laborers, have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. The Lord of Sabaoth, God hears. The Lord of Sabaoth, the Greek word for Sabaoth means host. He's the Lord of hosts, of the heavenly hosts. And it has reached the ears of God. God knows. God sees. They may fudge the numbers. They may cheat people. But God sees it all and God knows it all. And God hears the crying of the suffering laborers and God is going to bring judgment. And so if the rich think that the poor has no one to protect them, they're wrong. They're going to reap what they sow. And only God knows. Now, the fourth reason the rich will be judged by God is because they live in luxury. They live in luxury. Look at verse 5. It says, you have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. 
In other words, you lived in a high lifestyle on earth. And luxury, the word luxury means extra. It means excess. That's what that means. We're not talking about things that are necessarily fancy, or you may have something that someone else don't have. But we're talking about an excess. And you know, the luxury that is wasted, it is a sin before God. Because all, the, all their money that they have, they use it to buy the excess stuff. For example, I kind of search, at, you know, not that I need to search this. You see it all the time in the news. That's why I hate the news. I don't care what's going on with Taylor Swift and anybody else. I really don't care. They do absolutely nothing for me. It's Hollywood news in America, by the way. It's a waste of time, so I don't even listen to news. It's nothing educational, nothing of importance to me. And so, but you don't have to go far to see how the rich spend their money. But this is one that really stood out to me because it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Okay? Do you know that you can buy an 18-karat gold toilet seat cover? Yes, worth at $30,000. But that's not all. Back in, in September of 2019, there was an article. A man was arrested in Britain for stealing an 18-karat gold, solid gold toilet. Not the seat, the toilet. That's worth over a million dollars. A toilet. Not the seat. Not the liver, not the lever, not the plumbing. The whole toilet worth over a million dollars. And the man was arrested in Britain in 20, uh, 2019 in September. It was stolen from the British palace that was once the birthplace of Western Churchill. And so this way he was born. So some rich person bought it and said, you know what, uh, let's get a toilet, let's get a toilet. What do you want? A ceramic? Wood? No. Gold. <clears throat> really? How much does it cost? Over a million. No problem. You see how sick that is? Now, it's their prerogative. I have nothing against those who are wealthy and they made their money. Even if they, they became billionaires. I have no, nothing against them. Good for you. You created something. You, you developed something. You created jobs. You helped the economy. You deserve every penny. And even though some people say, well, that's too much. We, we need to get some money. Well, you go work for yourself. But that's the kind of country we live in, right? It's their prerogative. They could spend their money on whatever they want. That's their money. Good for you. But this here is bad. This because you know what? How much bread a million dollars could buy for a country that can't afford it? That is the luxury. And that's the reason why they're going to be judged. So this literally, this, this, this idea of a, a golden toilet seat or a golden uh, toilet seat cover. This is money that literally went down the toilet. Have you asked God to help you? As I grew up, this was a common phrase used in conjunction with numerous situations, from lost items to important decisions to doing what was right in a difficult moment. It reminds me of the verse in James 1.5 that talks about asking God when you just don't know what to do. Also in verse 12, where James reminds Christians that the promise of heaven hinges not only on accepting the gift of salvation, but also standing firm in what you believe while resisting sin. Having faith in God is the stepping stone to real humility, love, patience, and growth. Are you feeling stagnant in your relationship with God? Do you need someone in your corner? If so, here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. 
prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. Just for you folks that aren't close and any who are interested, visit runningtheraceradio.com to not miss out on the many great ministry opportunities of Calvary Chapel of Milford. Our time has come to an end, but thank you so much for joining us today on this broadcast of Running the Race.